dude nice headset man god i love that that's like 80s retro gamer headset i mean i'm 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 not embarrassed to wear it um i'm not afraid to be a nerd but i know it makes me look a bit nerdy I think it's amazing. It's like some Ready Player One shit. I I love it, dude. I I think it's uh, I it's kind of your look now. I sort of want you to wear it when we're back in person once <laughs> you know this whole Omicron thing dies down and we can do these more in person again. Um, I want you to keep that thing rolling. I like it. You should just wear it around your neck. Be like uh, be one of the neck headphone guys. I'll start with my ears. I'll see. I'll see <laughs> if I can make it to the neck. What's uh What's going on? What do you want to talk about today? Oh man, got a bunch. I want a drink though. Um, last episode we filmed when we did it with Scott Belsky, I, I didn't drink and I actually felt like that was a mistake. So I've got my drink ready. Um, and I'm going to be drinking Kentucky Owl bourbon whiskey. Uh, friend of mine, Blake Bird, shout out, big supporter, sent me this bottle for the holidays and um, it's amazing. And so I'm going to be drinking that today. What are, what are you drinking? Um, This is just a sparkling water oh, uh, i think it's pronounced God. uh La lacroix even though i would call it lacroix i think it's um, lacroix i think it's lacroix i think it's lacroix actually ryan hoover would know um he drinks a lot of it and he, he talks a lot about it i think i think it's lacroix it's the key lime flavor okay you know i'm in i'm in florida right. so key yeah. lime key, you i know, leave key greg West. for two months and he starts going soft on me i'm the only one drinking now i'm the only degenerate around here anyway i mean if i lived in the northeast during the winter I would be drinking whiskey too at 4 p.m. Yeah, it's cold. There's ice on the road outside. I can see um, the whiskey tastes good. Keeps me warm. So, let, dude, let's dive into it. I feel like we have a lot. Um, we've got a very cool guest that's going to come on that we'll intro when we get to it. But um, a bunch of stuff happened this week that I just want to talk about and I want to get your perspective on. Capchase is the financing solution for fast-growing startups. It lets companies access their revenue today so that they can reinvest in their business and grow and scale much quicker than they otherwise would be able to. Is it complex though? No, it's super easy to set up. Only a couple of clicks. You can go through the process so quickly. There's no dilution ever. And if you don't draw on the money, you don't have to pay any interest against it. It's a great solution for fast growing startups and they should all check it out today. So if you want to go look into it, Go to capchase.com slash room. The saying used to be, let your game speak. With Common Stock, it's about let your gains speak. I love Common Stock, love the platform, and have really been enjoying learning from other people on there. How does it work? It's a platform for verified investment knowledge. So people are going and sharing their ideas, sharing their trades, but it's actually connected to their brokerage account. So you can see the results they're generating and see their actual track records over time. So you're learning from people, not only the best investors, the Bill Ackmans, the Daniel Loeb's are on there, but also individuals who are actually going and putting their money where their mouth is on these trades. And you're learning alongside them and being taken on the journey. Is it just stocks? There's everything now. There's going to be stocks. There's crypto. We're in this crazy world where there's so many different investment opportunities, which just means there's so many opportunities to learn. And Common Stock is creating the platform for you to learn alongside the best. And also, as I said, let your gains speak. So to level up your investing game today, check out commonstock.com. You won't regret it. So um, you saw this vampire attack. The yep. um, I think that's a hilarious name, by the way, which we can get into as part of all this. But um, OpenSea got vampire attacked um, by this thing called, what's it called? Looks? 
looks dot yep. looks rare looks rare.org um kind of crazy whole thing so you, you you're gonna have to correct me if my like research in general is off on this i dug into it earlier because um i'm trying to be more of a, a degen around this stuff but um it's kind of cool so basically you know OpenSea is like the biggest player in the nft marketplace space they just raised money mario at the generalist did a great piece on it but they raised money at like what a 15 billion dollar valuation or some like massive valuation i can probably pull it up while we're talking here um but they raise money they're like you know the air incumbent yeah 13.3 billion in in new round of venture funding massive company um this company called looks rare which is looksrare.org comes along and does something kind of neat. It's called a vampire attack, but basically they um, entice you to come over and list NFTs on their new marketplace, looksrare.org. Um, and the way they're doing it is by offering you an airdrop of these looks tokens. Um, and all of a sudden people were doing it. And the reason was because these looks tokens were actually valuable. And it was based on the amount of transaction volume. I think you did on OpenSea, the number of tokens you'd get dropped, I think. And it so you go. Yeah, it was in, in how much you bought. So, okay. yeah, it was your ETH volume on OpenSea. Yeah, I believe I believe it's, you know, if you spent, let's say, 10 ETH on OpenSea, you got some sort of percentage, you know, something like that in looks tokens. Okay. Okay. So I, my experience with this, like, I think it's fascinating. It's, it's actually like from a consumer standpoint, a pretty neat growth hack because basically what they did was incentivize people with this thing that who knows if it has value, but basically you just had to list, you had to list an NFT for sale on looksrare.org in order to claim these tokens. And what started happening was as people started claiming them, um, people started staking them, buying them, um, suddenly they had real value. And so like I went over, I was kind of late. I think it all started on Monday or something like that. I think you texted me about it. A few others, I didn't pay attention. And then I went over to it yesterday and pulled up my thing and my looks rare token drop was worth like four ETH or something like that. Um, in, in the amount of looks tokens they were going to send me, which is bananas. Like they were just giving you free money. Right. So what did you do? So you, you claim the looks token and then tell people yeah, so what you, you did. Yeah. So all you had to do to claim it was list one for sale. So I had some like unbelievably worthless NFT in my OpenSea, you know, in my wallet that I listed for sale, um, which was never going to sell. I listed it for one ETH on the looks rare thing. And that allowed me to claim it. So again, like I kind of found a loophole to the system because it didn't matter. And it was like, I think it was chodes, by the way, it was the toads derivative chodes that has no volume, no liquidity. Um, I listed that. It allowed me to claim, I think I claimed 3000 looks. Um, and maybe I'm like embarrassing. Maybe that's not many. I don't know how many other people got. Um, but it was worth like at the time when I did it, I think it was worth 15,000 US dollars. Like, so in ETH, um, you know, it was like five ETH or maybe a little less than that five ETH. Um, but kind of crazy. And so then basically it says like they have you there and you can sell it. And I think a lot of people probably did and dumped it. But then a few of my friends were like, Hey, you can actually stake it. And so then on the website, they have this whole thing where you can immediately stake the looks that you got and generate, like they have a live tracker of the APR you can generate. That's like very gamified. And so I was like, well, this is free money that no one, like I didn't think I was going to have. So I might as well stake it. And so I staked it and it's like a 950% APR to stake it or something like right now. 
Right. So I think, I mean, there's a lot of interesting pieces of it. First of all, you got $15,000 for doing nothing. Someone basically just wrote you a check for $15,000. Assuming it's liquid. Yeah. Assuming you can sell it, right? Like sometimes they do these airdrops and the thing isn't liquid. You can't actually sell it. So who knows? Um, But looks like I claim mine. I claim yeah. mine, and I sold it right away. A lot of people um, did that, right? So you, so you converted yeah. it into ETH. Converted it into ETH, which I converted into USD, which I transferred to my account, and I went and bought something. So like, <laughs> liquid, and that, and you know, it happened, and it happened quickly. So I think like for me, it was like Christmas came really early. We're, you yeah. know, we're in mid-January. Um, so, so yeah, the first thing is like. The, the fact that people are getting this like random check is is honestly why I think a lot of people don't like people in crypto or people who are doing these NFT things is like sometimes it is really easy money. Um, and we can talk about like the perception of NFTs and the perception of crypto people after. But that's the first thing I wanted to make mention of how like how crazy that is. The second thing is airdrops in general are just fascinating, right? Because basically what you're doing is you're looking at public blockchain data and you're rewarding loyalty. So because Sahel Bloom is a loyal OpenSea customer, someone else, another company or another product or another community is able to take that data and potentially grab the users from OpenSea because that's what they're trying to do, right? They're trying to yeah, bootstrap the, the network. And yeah. Sorry, go ahead. You're hitting on something really interesting that relates to our conversation with Scott too, which is um, one of the, it's actually an interesting innovation of Web3. I think like Chris Dixon had a thread on this recently that Web3 is interesting in the context that you can actually vote with your feet very credibly because this platform looks rare, tiny, no one knows what it is. They can come in and do something like this and then maybe they start charging, you know, a quarter of what OpenSea charges from a commission standpoint. And suddenly, you know, like people have to race to the bottom on that margin that they can charge and clip because I might just vote with my feet. Now I can like go over to looks and maybe I'm an early looks adopter and start using the platform more. I buy looks tokens. Now I'm incentivized to use looks because I actually want looks to succeed. I've got a bunch of looks now I'm staking it. If a bunch of people start using looks, like I might start hyping looks up because I'm a part of it and they're charging a lower fee. And so it's kind of interesting because it does remove power from these centralized platforms when people can really vote with their feet this quickly. Yeah, I also think it makes the open seas of the world or the competition just a lot more, like make them more scared, which makes the product better. You know, they they have to adapt. You know, I'm sure they're looking at um, this product and they're like, okay, what, what we you know we don't want to lose people right so what what do yeah. we got to do on our platform do we need to make it more decentralized do we need to add you know certain they added a, they had a few features on on looks uh, on that platform that you know OpenSea was missing so um, it's pretty interesting the other thing also is you know, there are kinks with with airdrops right so you mentioned that you know you went on the platform you basically listed something a chodes which is worth zero for, you know, one ETH. So you're kind of like, that's a problem, right? Because then mm-hmm. you don't, that platform is going to have a lot of like bad inventory and bad merchandise. Um, so I think um, 
there are kinks and we're gonna, I'm sure that they're going to fix it. And a lot, you know, but we, we are, the cool thing is we're learning about this process. People yeah. are trying things. People are pushing the boundaries. Um, I don't understand how it's not like, it's just so weird to me because they've created value from nothing. Um, like that, that, there's, there's this thing of just like money from nothing that still confuses me fundamentally when I try to think in first principles on this kind of stuff, because they sent me a bunch of tokens that they just created out of thin air um, that don't actually have value, but now they do um, because they've dropped it to a bunch of people and because a bunch of people now have it and are trading it and because a bunch of people like me have staked it, um, you can actually trade it and there's liquidity because that's what the staking does is it's providing liquidity in the in the protocol. Um, I just like, it, it breaks my mind a little bit to understand it. Um, and so for me personally, whenever that happens, I try to like dig in more and that's why I'm staking it honestly, is I just want to like participate and learn more about it and kind of be along for the ride and see what happens. Um, but it's pretty fascinating. Um, I think it's interesting and it's like, it's a, um, it is a case study in web three and how these things can materialize and like a company that no one had ever heard of. I don't think for the most part a week ago is like part of the zeitgeist all of a sudden i'm sure people at at um at OpenSea are thinking about it yeah yeah absolutely i think um <laughs> i'm sure actually i'm sure they're more than thinking about it. i think they're they're probably looking at it and they're they're they must be scared or feel a bit vulnerable um and uh, i don't blame them to be honest yeah. like you know i i don't know the exact numbers but probably tens of thousands, if not a hundred thousand plus people have gone and claimed tokens. That's like, you know, I think one of the takeaways I have from this whole thing is networks have value. You know, it's a reminder that networks have value. Like, yes, these tokens are coming out of thin air, but when you're creating a network, that network of buyers and sellers has a lot of value. Um, and scarcity drives value too, right? You're staking your tokens. Those tokens are going out of your wallet. Uh, therefore, demand you know supply goes down uh yeah. puts price pressure to go up so a lot of interesting things i wish i paid more attention uh in economics class um in school um i have to relearn it all and i've been relearning it all in the trenches but uh yeah yeah I mean, it's gonna be interesting to track the price is remarkably stable for i like i would have thought everyone just dumped it and it became worthless and the price has basically hovered around four bucks for the last several days and with a few pops and a few drops but like generally pretty pretty stable i just like it's interesting to think about centralization and decentralization because when you think about the biggest companies within within the crypto and web3 landscape you know the ones that have like really made it institutionally they're still centralized like coinbase OpenSea, they're centralized and so this is kind of scary like because you can have these attacks that are somewhat successful i mean i would qualify this as successful at this point um that come from like truly decentralized positions and chip away at the veneer of these, um, of these centralized players. So it's kind of interesting. It's definitely going to be one to track. And, um, you know, in this era where like memes and, um, you know, the internet virality, you know, kind of uh, own the zeitgeist. Um, it's a, it's a very telling reminder of, um, you know, not being complacent. Like earlier in the week, I wrote about um, the Icarus paradox and like not not flying too close to the sun and getting complacent and hubris. And I think like Web3 is a perfect example of where you have to really be careful about that to the point you made earlier. Totally, yeah. We're, we're, we've moved from means of production to memes of production. <laughs> and, That's a uh, good segue too to who we have in today. 
I, I feel like you teed that up pretty well. Um, memes of production. I like that. I like that. And, you know, we're, we're going to bring our guest in to jam. Um, and that's a perfect transition because what meme has owned the internet and the zeitgeist over the last really two years, more than Dogecoin? um the joke cryptocurrency that took over the world um so we've got billy marcus who will not be on video because um he avoids uh showing his face publicly due to uh security concerns which i don't blame him for because there is a dark side of the internet um but super super excited to have him in with us and uh get to talk I, I mean, I need to get the story of Doge because there's some just absurdity along the way in that. But then, you know, talk about in the new era of investing, meme investing, you know, the funniest outcome wins and uh, dive into all of this memes of production. I loved your comment there. Totally. I'm excited to talk to him. I've never like I follow him on Twitter, uh, which is an awesome follow. I don't you know, I'm, I haven't done like, to be honest, much research on him. Um, I'm just looking forward to chatting with him and, and hearing Hearing like what is his, um, like why did he start it? You know how how does he how does he see you know me you know memes of production? What does he think of this of airdrops? I'm curious of that too, um, and just yes, yeah, see if it's he's gonna a be cool fun. guy or not. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. Shibatoshi Nakamoto on Twitter. I think his at is something different, but that's what his name is. So he's got to be pretty funny because I do think that's a that's a funny name. Um, let's bring him in and uh, let's dive in on this now. He's coming in. Up, hey, Billy? you there, Billy? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you, man. What's going on? I hear a lot of weird noise. Uh-oh. I don't like That's our voices. Noise. That's our voices. No, 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 it's like a like yelling like, "Hey, da." I don't know. Uh, let me put this next to the mic. I'm worried. Is it in your brain? <laughs> Uh, hang on. It might be from my end. <laughs> I, I oh, oh my god. It is from my end. <laughs> I was looking at some Twitter video and it was on loop. It was a bunch of like people screaming like, hey, Todd! And I'm like, what? And it like happened to coincide exactly with like coming in here. So I was like, what the heck? <laughs> anyway. Oh, god. Okay, I was like, was... holy shit, man. Billy's having a paranoid attack. <laughs> this isn't a good start. Yeah. Or it's going to be a great start and this will be an awesome episode. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway. What's... Are you it's, good it's... now? Are we starting? We're not starting the episode, right? This is. Uh, oh no, we're starting, game. man. Cold open. What? No, no. <laughs> we can cut Stay. it. Out. We can cut whatever you want out, man. I, we <laughs> we do whatever post production you want. So if you say anything that you didn't like, um, I did think that was pretty funny though. In general, we, Gre- <laughs> I mean, Greg and I, Greg and I record. We record straight through. So Greg and I were like recording before. We like do a kind of opening jam and then bring someone in. But um, thank you so much for joining us, man. Yeah, no problem. I hope you have a drink. Well, actually, it's pretty early your time. You're on the West Coast, right? Yeah, it's two, and I still have a lot of work to do today. So, oh man, I'm no sorry drinking to hear that. yet. I, I do have water, so that's something. Okay. Well, Greg's <laughs> drinking a sparkling water. I'm sitting here like the degenerate on the call, drinking a whiskey. Um, but nice. it's cold in the Northeast, man. So I need it. I need it right now. Yeah. What's um, your What's your drink choice in general? I'm a bourbon guy. I like bourbon. I mean, I love tequila, um, but tequila like on an evening in the cold Northeast on a Thursday mm. night didn't feel right. So I'm drinking bourbon right now. Kentucky Owl bourbon whiskey. Nice. Yeah, I like. Uh, uh, about you, Billy? I like whiskey and Coke. Uh, if like if I just go to a bar and I have no creativity, I either say like, hey, give me something that doesn't taste like alcohol or just whiskey and Coke. 
Simple man. I like it. I like <laughs> it. Well, dude, thank you. Um, thank you so much again for joining us. Um, this is going to be fun. I mean, you and I have, like, I want to give a little bit of the background cause it's funny, but basically like Billy and my relationship is a, uh, classic of 2021, 2022, which is literally, we met on Twitter. Like I meet everyone, <laughs> Greg, you and I met on Twitter. Like all of my favorite, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends are on Twitter. Um, and I just like, I was drawn to, um, how kind of just like fun, open, um, and, you know, just like openly sharing you were, you just had this like vivacious personality on Twitter. And I love that. And your name is Shibatoshi Nakamoto, which I find fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> and so I started just like interacting with you. We were DMing and then we talked about bringing you on. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that you don't do like public appearances for security reasons, which I totally get. Um, but just so stoked to have you here and, and get to jam more on, you know, meme investing, the story of Doge, your background and and just get into it. Yeah, it sounds fun. I, I know you as the guy on Twitter who posts really long threads that are smart. Like it's better than the guy yeah. on Twitter who posts really long threads that are dumb. So <laughs> I think some people probably think that of me too, which is fine, and I'll just mute them. Um, but I appreciate you, man. You're a, no, uh, you're the man. And I think we were racing to a million at one point, and you were like at – actually, Billy um, challenged me to a race to a million followers on Twitter. He was at 940,000 and I was at 400,000 and challenged me to race. <laughs> and honestly, the audacity to do that just made me respect him more. Um, so anyway, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Yeah, I like challenges that I can I can win easily. Yeah, smart man. Just bet on, bet on <laughs> things you know you can win. So can, you, can we just start, and this is not an interview, um, very informal and feel free to curse and have a blast, but like, can you just tell people like what your background is, who you are, like how, how you kind of came to, you know, kind of came to be the founder of what you ended up building. Uh, sure. I'm, I'm just a software guy, uh, who played video games all my life. I'm just grew up a nerd and kind of an internet troll. Um, on AOL, I would like, you know, impersonate guides and be a douche and then, uh, <laughs> moved on to different message boards and was a douche there. Uh, and then grew up a little bit, but still have that, you know, inner douche in me. Um, <laughs> so when I came to, like, learned about cryptocurrency, I, like, you know, saw uh, the Bitcoin talk forums, I think, uh, is what it was called uh, in, like, 2013. And Was this, like, was... on Reddit, or where was it? No, it was, it was actually a forum called Bitcoin Talk. That was, like, where, oh. in 2013, that was where the, like, hub of all of Bitcoin talk was. And I was like, whoa, this is fascinating. People are like using their idle CPU cycles to make money. I want to make money. Uh, so I, you know, try to learn how to mine and then uh, eventually learned that it took way more power to mine than you could get. Cause Bitcoin at that time was like a hundred bucks uh, a Bitcoin. Yeah. I also have very Did embarrassing trades on Coinbase that are like me purchasing like 10 Bitcoin and then like three days later, me selling the 10 Bitcoin for like $20 profit and me like, yeah, <laughs> totally earned that. Yeah. Did you uh, like on, on the forum, did you make a lot of friends or were you kind of just no. solo doing your own thing, building by yourself? That That is not a forum. Bitcoin talk was not a forum to make friends and meet people. It was just a, you know, forum to talk about how great you are or how great whatever uh, dumb altcoin that you're making is gonna be and then people trying to mine it um and then other people just you know speculating on whatever they think the price is going to be in the future and stuff like that so kind of the same um, as twitter now i guess 
<laughs> this makes me think of um like early days silk road by the way um mm. i don't know if you guys have ever read that book um i think it's called american kingpin it's actually one of my favorite um pieces of nonfiction i've read in the last five ten years so if anyone hasn't read it it's worth a read but it's basically the story of um silk road which was like for anyone that doesn't know it it was like the amazon of um you know kind of illicit activity at the time and most of the transactions were through bitcoin so people were buying drugs and unfortunately you know weapons and different things on there but it was like the ultimate libertarian um you know government can't control what you do this is an open marketplace and you could buy with bitcoin and it was like part of the early ethos of the bitcoin internet um was running through um through silk road and honestly like i think a lot of the bad rep that people have um, applied to crypto still goes back to what you know their kind of predisposition was around it with silk road but this guy the founder of it who was like you know jeff bezos founded all founded amazon this guy ross albrick founded silk road is in jail for life um you know based on a handful of different things and you know different people will tell you different things about what he did but uh, super worth reading the book um but this guy's in jail for life for founding this thing that you know was ostensibly a marketplace where people happened to do illegal things um but a fascinating story of like early days of bitcoin and and some of the stuff that was happening and the utility of it early on yeah absolutely the the primary utility in 2013 of of cryptocurrency was illegal gambling or illegal purchase of drugs and weapons and whatever other terrible things. And yeah. And you know, just speculation in general. So that was like the scene in 2013. And then there's all these altcoins uh, that were usually like based on Litecoin, uh, the script based, uh, which were a little easier to mine with a graphics card. Like they hadn't been solved. Like at that time, uh, ASIC miners, the specialized computers uh, that are used to mine Bitcoin or mine uh, uh, Litecoin right now um, were only good for Bitcoin. And so there are a whole bunch of coins that if you had a fancy graphics card like I did, that you could mine it with your uh, graphics card and get a decent amount of them. So that's how I started learning about these. So different, was it like, like, was it really like gamers then? Just people that had these fancy graphic no, cards? <laughs> not really. Like, uh, so that ties into like uh, when I found all of these coins and like all of the like different coins that people had uh made it was like oh these are all dumb like i could probably learn how to make one of these they, they seem like they're all the same and i found a guide uh for how to do it and it was like you know take litecoin change seven parameters and recompile it and then you have your own stupid crypto coin so i was like okay cool so i i had just been playing animal crossing a lot um and in 2013 no one knew what animal crossing was and I released Bell's coin. This is my first cryptocurrency, uh, my only other one other than Dogecoin. And no one knew what it was. Like literally no one on Bitcoin talk forums had any idea what Animal Crossing was. They're like, what is this? It looks like a cartoon. I'm like, it's from a game, you know, Bell's like from Animal Crossing. Like, no, it's stupid. Like it won't make me rich. I'm like, okay. So it just died like almost right away. <laughs> so <laughs> when that, what year was that? Yeah. Sorry, that was 2013 that you did that? Yeah, that was like mid 2013. Okay, uh, and then yeah, after that I was like, well, crypto or like obviously I I can just retire from this. I don't want to get yelled at by random people. Um, but then uh, Bitcoin does crashed. that exist? Does Bell's coin still exist anywhere? I'm like googling frantically because I've never heard of it, but it, I like <laughs> it, I need to find this now. It does exist in the form of Dogecoin because uh, Bitcoin or uh, Dogecoin is forked directly from Bell's coin. 
Oh, okay. Mm. So you got to walk us through it, man. Okay, go go from here. Okay, so no one knew about Bell's Coin. You started this thing. It was a joke. Yeah, yeah. How did this fork into into Doge? So like I don't know, two or three months later, uh, I like Bitcoin just crashed, and I went in some like IRC channel that was like, oh, why did Bitcoin crash? Oh, it's because China stuff, which you know is the same story now, and. Uh, someone linked to dogecoin.com and was like, ha this is going to be the next big thing. And I clicked on it and uh, Jackson Palmer on the other side of the earth in uh, Australia had like just put up this site um, with a like Dogecoin uh, picture and like uh, all these like pop-up comic sans like wow and blah, blah, blah. You can see it on archive.org um, from 2013 still. And uh, it just said in the bottom, if you want to make this a reality, like hit me up. And I was like, I want to make this a reality because I know how to make cryptocurrency. Uh, so yeah, I just took the next couple hours and uh, like all I wanted to do was uh, change the regular Bitcoin client uh, to be Comic Sans font and then like have some custom stuff on it. Like uh, instead of mining, it was like dig and other stupid things like that and like change some of the, the font or the, the icons. Um, and then, yeah, that, that was it. It was just like this silly, ridiculous thing. It's like, haha, we're going to make Dogecoin. It's going to totally take over the world, lol. And then we released it, and then and then stuff happened. When, <laughs> Lots of what stuff year happened. was it that you... Sorry, go yeah, ahead, Yeah, when, um, when you say, like, you know, you thought it was going to take over the world, do, do you mean, like, you thought it was going to take over, like, the current, you know, small crypto world? Or did you actually think, like... Like, did you have a vision of, like, you know, and... You know, today, like Post Malone's buying like Bored Apes and Visa's adding, <laughs> you know, crypto. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's mainstream. Did, I'm just curious, like, did you and Jackson, like, ha, you know, have some foresight to. Oh, to no, we had no foresight whatsoever. And not <laughs> only that, it was just a complete joke. It was just like, this, this thing's going to die in like a couple of days. It's obviously stupid. No one's going to buy this. Like, this is just a gag because it was funny, but like, it was functional. It was just a, a fork of an existing coin that already worked. So we knew it would work. It's just like, like no one cares about this. And then that wasn't true. <laughs> like a lot of people cared about it instantly. And obviously, like, you know, you're talking about the, the current scene with NFTs and all this stuff. It's like, no no way we would have thought anything like this would happen. It was it was all just a bunch of nerds, like, being silly with each other back then. It was then. basically a drop. Basically, what you're saying is it was like a drop. You know, it's like we were talking, Sahel, like, I saw your thread on mischief that company that does those drops every week yeah it's basically that you basically were like let's have some fun i'm gonna like change a few things add a story to it and press compile and go to sleep and then you wake up and it just you know it starts spreading yeah pretty much i mean like fascinating to look at the chart though like i've got the chart up of all time and mm -hmm. so like what year was that that you actually did the draw that you released uh, it December eighth, uh, twenty thirteen. Okay, so I'm looking at the chart, and basically, like I I can't even give you what the cent was for a single <laughs> Doge because it's too many decimals. Like it was December. Okay, so on December twenty uh, eighth, uh, I can't really quite zoom in. On January first, twenty fourteen, so a few weeks later, it was at point zero 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 three, and my eyes are like glazing over because of the number of zeros. And basically for, you know, from then until uh, there was a little spike in 2018 when it got up to almost one cent, which is like probably a huge jump. I mean, you mm -hmm. must have 
been at that point, like the 24 hour volume was $300 million. Like you must've been thinking this is wild. Um, and that felt crazy. And then in January, 2018, it crossed into one cent territory, but then it went back down and it was below a cent. And then all of a sudden, like I'm pulling up the chart in 2021, the thing goes from, you know, on January 1st, it's under a penny and it goes from there over the span of that month, basically like by February 1st, it's at seven cents. And from there, it goes from seven cents to by May, almost what, like 70 cents, 75 cents, it goes up to like, what? I mean, what are you thinking as this is happening? Uh, so I sold all my cryptocurrency in 2015. Like when there's this big bear market. Bitcoin that included. Like, yeah, Bitcoin. Like I had a bunch of Bitcoin, I had a bunch of Litecoin. And I was just like, whatever. Uh, like this, this is a bear market was like three years uh, at that point. So, yeah. you know, the people freak out now if it's like two days of bear market. They're like, oh God, this is the worst. It's like, and then they make fun of anybody who sells during it. It's like, yeah, try three years. <laughs> try having a bear market <laughs> for three years and seeing if you like, you know, want to hang on to it. Uh, and basically I had, uh, uh, I got laid off from my job and then like I was like kind of panicking because I was watching my bank account go down. Uh, I had moved to California. So my rent was like pretty expensive. Uh, so I was like, oh, that's right. I have all this like cryptocurrency. So I just got rid of all of it and got the cash and felt a little more comfortable, which was uh... a, a terrible thing. Um, but uh, yeah, so basically when all this stuff happened, like 2018 happened and like crypto was going crazy and all the ICOs were happening and my friends knew about it. So they'd be like, oh, what do you think of this? I'm like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> this is pain. This is like i mean it's it's fine like you know good for it good for people who are in the space but for me it's like ah oh, that sucks <laughs> that's, that's oh my painful. god okay so i need okay well i i don't mean to add insult to injury here um at all but like i read an article and so so like just the general background on this i find incredible because you're out here you're still clearly a public figure you're doing fine you have a job like things are things are good um and Elon Musk follows you on Twitter, which like basically no one can say. So like I need to bow down to you as a result of that. So if Elon is out there actually, and he sees this episode, um, that would be great as well. Cause I think he'll find it hilarious. But I, I did see an article um, when I was researching for this about the fact that you sold all your Dogecoin and um, you bought a car. And when I was looking at it, I was like, okay, so you, you know, you sold your Dogecoin, you bought a car. Uh, I think it was a Honda Civic in the article, which who knows, maybe they're, maybe they're making it exciting for the article, CNBC, whatever it was. Uh, but then like during the spike in 2021, that Dogecoin that you sold would have been worth enough to buy Honda. <laughs> and it cracked me up when I saw it because it was such an example of the absurdity of some of these things where, I mean, there was like no rhyme or reason to it the memes control the world. Like Elon Musk went on, I think it was Joe Rogan's podcast near you know, maybe a clubhouse room or something where he talks about like, um, you know, he who controls the memes controls the world, like the mm -hmm. Dune line. Um, and it really all of a sudden, I mean, it took over in 2021 um, where like meme, you know, like Greg called it memes of production. Um, it's so fascinating to me though, to see it in real time and to see it with, you know, a case study like this with, with what you went through. Yeah, a couple of things with that. Uh, so the Honda Civic thing is hilarious because it's usually a picture of Jackson, my co-founder, <laughs> and then saying like Billy Marcus sold all his holdings for a Honda Civic. 
And that was like kind of a misquote because I, I didn't want to say the exact amount. It was about like $10,000. So I'd say like uh, about as much as like, I sold all my crypto <laughs> for about as much as, you know, it cost to buy a used Honda Civic. And then that just became the meme. It was like picture of Jackson. Memes control saying, the world. Yeah. The, <laughs> so meme, like, yeah, the meme strikes this. again. The meme strikes again. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that is, I mean, that well, like it's such a classic like media thing like clickbaity headline of like sold and bought honda bought used honda civic could have bought all of honda (laughs) (laughs) it's it's such an absurd i mean i get it i get why they do it actually it does drive clicks i clicked on it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think it's kind of funny so sometimes i just roll with it it's like yeah people are like how's your honda i'm like i don't know Never had one. <laughs> Never had one before. My father wants to sponsor um, me. Like I'm, I'm down. Whatever. Yeah, it is funny. We talked on one of our first episodes, Greg. You remember this? Um, like talking about, um, it was like the idea of like lost porn and like man in the arena stuff with Howard in that first episode that we dropped. When you know, like we all now, everyone loves to share gains and like talk about their amazing wins and things like that. But it's so interesting because now I think like Reddit, you know, with Wall Street bets, people are actually sharing their like massive L's and the things that they sold too early or the big L's they're taking. And it's become like a point of pride for a lot of people to kind of share those. Um, and I find, I mean, I think it's like healthy, actually, um, societally that people are doing more of that. Billy, yeah, Billy, I- do you do you see it as an L? Because like I look at it and I'm like, how many people get to like create a meme and spread it, you know, that, for, well, I mean, first of all, it's enduring. Like, it's been years at this point. And, you know, hundreds of millions of people have seen it. I'm just curious, like, how do you feel? I, I, I don't mean, I don't mean, you know, how do you feel about it all? Um. Uh, so in terms of the, the lost porn part of it, or just that as part of culture, uh, I agree that, that I think that's a good thing, uh, that people are, like, more realistic about it. It's not like, oh, we always just make money because everything goes up all the time. I think it's good that there's a reasonable thought of like this is pretty much gambling um in terms of like what i think uh it's just weird like it it, from from my position i just kind of made something eight years ago and then eight years later it went crazy and elon musk was talking about it i'm like okay (laughs) like it's just a very like like all right i guess i'm in this position now and then like when i tweet stuff and people are responding to me i'm like that's weird like people are listening to me. I'm just some nerd, like sitting in my underwear most of the time or on the toilet tweeting random <laughs> crap. So, it, you know, it's just, it's like, I, it's kind of like, this but that's fake... what I love about the internet. That's yeah. like, that's the amazing thing about the world we live in too. Like, dude, I mean, I'm looking at it. I'm pulling it up right now. You created something, which I mean, how many people in the world can say this? You created something that today has a market cap of $22.4 billion and traded two billion dollars of volume um i texted my friend um uh david mcdonough who's the founder of this business common stock that's an awesome you know free platform for investment knowledge they're a supporter of the show because he gets a ton of retail investing data through their through their platform and the integrations and he said that doge was the over the past 12 months, the fourth most traded asset across all retail brokers and exchanges. Oh my goodness. And it was, it beat out, by the way, it beat out Apple, Amazon, and the SPY index, the S&P 500. Um, it was literally behind Tesla, Bitcoin, and Ethereum, um, <laughs> which Tesla is like a meme in and of itself, obviously. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it shows, it goes to show though, like, 
what you did create, whether or not you profited from it as, you know, as much as anyone would have liked, I mean, it's pretty insane. Like the numbers on it are bananas. Yeah. It, uh, I remember seeing a graph of like the most searched thing in the United States uh, for various ports of time in during the year on Google and Dogecoin, like, like April, May and part of June was the most searched thing like in the entire United States, which is like, oh, okay, this is like, everyone knows what it is now. Um, I just tell like an anecdote, actually, uh, when I first came to California, there was a Dogecoin uh, hackathon and I wasn't invited or like, I just kind of came as a whim. And like, I, I went there and uh, they were like, oh, are you on those lists? I'm like, no, but I'm Billy Marcus. And they're like, uh, okay. I'm like, yeah, like I made Dogecoin and they were like, oh, okay. And like, you know eventually let me in but it's like they didn't no one knew what it was like it wasn't a thing that's like a common knowledge and now it is like uh, most people know or have heard of dogecoin and have some type either an opinion on it or think it's like like what the heck was going on i know that that's true because i said it before i came in to record this i told my wife i was recording an episode and i was like hey just just so you know i'm filming something and she's like oh who are you chatting with and i was like billy marcus uh, and she was like, oh, who's that? I said the founder of Dogecoin. She was like, is that that dog cryptocurrency? And my wife knows <laughs> nothing about this stuff. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, so-and-so, like my friend was buying a bunch of it. And I was just like, okay. So it clearly has entered the zeitgeist because my wife does not touch any of this stuff or know anything about it, but she knew what it was. So yes, you've definitely, uh, you've definitely crossed the chasm as it were. Yeah, that's cool. And also, like, uh, <laughs> most of the companies that I've worked for, because I've worked for a lot of startups uh, since coming to California, like, every once in a while, I think, like, huh, the thing I made in a couple hours is worth more than this company. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's worth more than a lot of companies, by the way. I mean, $22 billion, no joke. The trading volume is what's bananas to me, too. I mean, $2 billion today is um, is just crazy. Like, do you do you ever think... And I, again, I'm not like trying to rub, rub this in. Like, do you think <laughs> about the fact that you like, it would be worth billions of dollars today, your, your stake in it? Or is it just something that you're like, yeah, I, I mean, it's so long ago and you created it and it was a joke and it still is a joke. I mean, you, it's like openly a joke, but it became a meme. Um, do you think about it ever? Uh, so my, my personal stake would have like at max out about 6 million oh. uh, this because of like uh, when those articles came out, they're like, oh, uh, let's take the entire market cap of Dogecoin and attribute it to Billy Marcus. It's like, yeah, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, but uh, to your point though, like uh, I think it was, uh, I wouldn't call it like like terrible, but it was just kind of like, like my mom was struggling uh, last year uh, with like house payments essentially. And uh, it was like, oh, I can I can help you, but like it's kind of, difficult for me uh to you know pay for your your mortgage while uh, also paying for all my expenses to california so when dogecoin was getting unpopular it's like yeah i could have you know done it easily if i just had this um but fortunately i was able to make it up by selling nfts and stuff and uh, was able to pay off her house and so that was like everything i would have ever wanted so at this point everything's gravy like doesn't you know i, I have That's a great. decent job and everything's fine so uh, <laughs> and i don't really have audience. any regrets or anything Right, yeah. you got and a million people. Um, yeah, yeah, a ton of people hitting like buttons and and sometimes. Well, I mean, getting there's just muted. something amazing about it. That's like, um, I don't know. I mean, like memes control the world in a very. This is like the most visceral example of that. That um, you created something. 
and honestly, there was no reason other than like Elon Musk starts tweeting about it. People start thinking it's funny. I saw someone recently say that like the funniest outcome is the most likely outcome now um, with all of these things. And I think about <laughs> it now a lot with investing of like, are is this company like are there memes and virality that happen around this company? And like I um, I've talked to Greg about this before. Like I, I'm a big believer in this new asset class around like event contracts. And I invested in this platform called Calshi that is like the only CFTC regulated platform and their whole thing, you know, like what I'm trying to talk to them about is like, there's so much interesting memeable content here where people are trading on these like binary events and you're getting into things and there's these like crazy charts of when things are swinging and like harnessing memes now has to be a core strategy at some of these companies that are trying to grow because all of a sudden you can just, you know, shoot things to the moon out of the blue from just, capturing the zeitgeist at one moment in time yeah i would like memes are the language of the internet essentially and uh, i think you know the the previous term for all this stuff was virality right like the cheapest marketing is to have something go viral and the cheapest and most effective and often really scary for companies to have to try to scale <laughs> after they go viral like oh no like a jillion people are looking at my stuff so uh i think in that way it makes sense like if like uh, one thing I notice in general is if I'm trying to express a point uh, on Twitter with my 280 characters, usually if it's nuanced, it's like pretty hard. And you know, people people will read your threads because you you do a good job of like prefacing it with like what you want to say and getting people interested with your you know 19 things of whatever. But uh, mine are like you know like here are three three tweets in a row and like no one understands it. But if I make a meme, people understand it. It's like oh, okay, like, the the picture is worth a thousand words. Uh, it gives all this context. And it's just, like, way more efficient at expressing what you want to say. Uh, so I really do think memes, memes are powerful and, like, can't be denied. Just, just like, you know, being viral is really, really important in marketing. Billy, what is a meme? Can you, you know, for all the people listening, like, what, how do you define a meme? Uh, I don't, there's, like, the the, you know, like, old school definition of a meme which is just like any idea that's spread uh, essentially so like everything's a meme um but uh like memes nowadays are more just like like a picture uh or an image of some sort that uh, expresses something that's usually kind of funny or kind of true uh in a in a way that is easy to comprehend very quickly um yeah, I don't really know if that's a good definition, but it's kind of how how that's I think of good memes definition. at the moment. Yeah, and like Doge, I mean, yeah. Doge meme. Yeah, oh, sorry. It captures in an image something that you know a bunch of words couldn't say. Yeah. Um, and it's but it like, doesn't have to be an image. I don't think that's right. True. Like t I think like to me a meme is a spreadable idea. The format yeah. could be a video. It could be an image. It could be, you know, a letter. Would yeah, you yeah, say really? Would you say you're like, um, you understand, like when it comes to, you know, nerd culture, programming culture, you're kind of like an expert, like you, you, you understand that culture really well, so you can create memes for them really well. Would you say that? Uh, no, I mean, not necessarily. I think if you're obsessed with something, uh, for example, I was like really into Starcraft 2 for a while. So I could make StarCraft 2 memes because I understood like the nuance of that particular subculture. 
I think that's where memes are. Like, I can make Dogecoin memes now or, like, crypto memes right now because it has a very specific subculture and, like, people can relate to specific things if I if I make them in a meme image. Um, so, so that's what I agree. So I think that I think the reason you were able to create Dogecoin in two hours is because you had such a deep connection and understanding of that community that it was just second nature to you. That's what I think. What do you think, Billy? Um, so he's, he's humble, man. He's humble. He doesn't <laughs> want to give himself no, credit be honest. for it. Be honest. That's my outside perspective. My outside perspective is like, like you knew, or you know, you and Jackson knew that like that dog had a good chance of, um, and the name, and just like the whole bit, and all the nuances that you said in, in this in the contract, and like the words here and the words there, together that had a good chance of spreading. Not not quite. Like it was it was like a it was more of a feeling of this has to exist than a feeling of like this will work and this will be popular because the bitcoin community at that time had no sense of humor whatsoever it's just like you know the the least funny community in history so like that having something that's supposed to be funny like what like i wouldn't think that would work in that context but it had uh excitement outside of that little like subculture so and, and actually, this is true, in my opinion, is that Dogecoin has done an amazing service to the cryptocurrency community of, like, getting more people into cryptocurrency than ever would have if Bitcoin was just Bitcoin. And, like, those people that were really into it. That's a great and, point. Yeah. That's... It, it provided, I mean, it's a lot of what companies are trying to do now. It's, like, providing rails. The memes provided rails into this new world. And it provided like a logical on-ramp to the point where my wife is talking about cryptocurrency um, as a good example of it. Like normal people on the street, my parents probably know what Dogecoin is. And that's interesting. And that's like hugely, hugely valuable to the space. And so again, to your point on like what you created having lasting value, it's interesting. I want to pitch you guys on an idea I've been having. And this like <laughs> meme conversation ha is so ripe for exactly what I'm talking about. We're talking about memes control the world. Like memes are driving massive flows of money. Memes are um, influencing behavior. So my idea is, why don't you go and roll up these meme accounts? Like go and find the best meme accounts that exist on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, like Parik Patel on Twitter. <laughs> Love Parik. The like Greg guy that did the No Way Jose thing to Jose Canseco. Um, the Litquidity. Um, on Instagram and on Twitter, like these people that are capturing the uh, set of emotions, the zeitgeist that are really good at just like over and over again, putting out um, these memes that capture attention. They have so much collective clout individually. They're like sort of small and subscale. I'm not sure there's a ton of like monetization there, but if you could roll them up, even if you like de facto brought them into a partnership together, you could, I think, sway you know, individual kind of companies, trajectories, perception, uh, you know, markets around things, if you actually like brought together the collective clout of these meme accounts. So why not go and like, roll them up, go and like, f like, create a fund and go and either buy or like, you know, kind of have them roll a stake into a collective entity where you can then just go like leverage the power of memes to move markets. And it's, a, I don't mean move markets in like an illegal context. I literally mean 
you know, they all go get behind an individual company and they're creating memes around it. I think you could genuinely drive and accelerate outcomes for those companies. That's interesting. I would, uh, I would push back only like uh, in general, I think the idea makes sense. Uh, my pushback is that I think what attracts people to accounts like that are they aren't trying to do anything specific other than be funny and if one of those accounts like just decided to like like okay my you know my riffs that i do all the time that are funny are now ford and i will just talk about ford and make ford memes that would like kind of tank the value of the account because <laughs> be like oh, okay that's just like the ford chill and that's kind of uh, not as interesting not that 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 is exactly what you're saying but like it's it's like with Reddit marketing, like uh, there's a lot of people that want to market on Reddit, but you can't just like go in there and like, hey, everyone buy my stuff. You have to like make it funny or make it viral in some way. Otherwise, no one cares about it because they want things to come off authentically and not like, you know, you're part of the man type thing. So have, I think it's, you, yeah. Have you heard of uh, Doing Things Media? Have you guys heard of that one? Uh-uh. That no. They own like middle class fancy shithead steve um like a bunch of these brands trash can paul i'm looking at cats doing things um they have a similar model where they buy the accounts and what they do is they keep usually it's like a 15 year old guy in his <laughs> basement uh but they keep that person on you know on board um, so they, Sahil, they apply your strategy around like, let's go buy accounts, but they're very, like, it's basically, they're combining Sahil, your idea with Billy's kind of like, but keep it, keep it, you know, pure Billy, what yeah. you're basically saying is like the purity rules everything in meme land. And I totally mm -hmm. agree with that. Um, but at I late check about... at late checkout, our, our company, um, we, we actually create uh, accounts around memes all the time. So we created um, something called I Need Plants. I don't know if I've ever told you about this. I remember this. Go, oh, yeah. go for it. This is awesome. Um, so yeah, we, we created an account um, that got hundreds of thousands of followers. You can follow it on, uh, you know, on multiple platforms. But on one platform, I like the best, Instagram. I think it has almost 100,000 followers. And it's just plant memes. You know, people are stuck at home and they're, they're talking about plants. And it's like, once you have this plant account and and these people are like so into plants, you can create a lot of businesses on top of it, right? Like you can go and create, you know, an NFT project. You can create plant coin and start airdropping, I don't know, stuff into them. You can create a D2C plant company. I think like once, once you control the attention, um, there is a lot you can do, but it's tough to, to remain pure. Yeah. yeah. I do think the... Um... The purity point, I it totally resonates with me, and I think that's the challenge of it. I just think about it in the context of like my own experience with meme accounts, like this Dr. Parik Patel account on Twitter. Um, I I know the actual person behind it now, and a lot of people recently have been saying that they think that I am the person behind the account, which I find <laughs> hilarious because I wish I was that funny and like and and innovative, and I honestly wish I had that much time to do what he's done, um, but he he and i have this whole back and forth thing of like each other's wives that's like funny kind of like you know below bar humor and like you know college humor but like he'll comment on something i posted and be like oh yeah this is why your wife left you or something like that and he'll get like he won't ratio me but he'll get like 700 likes on something <laughs> like that and for me 
it's like people hit me up and be like, dude, you should tell him to delete that. Like, that's terrible that he got you like that. And for me, I'm like, dude, that actually just drove, he has five, 400,000 followers that drove so many new impressions to the thing that I had. And like, I don't care if a bunch of people like that. It's funny. Like, I think he's funny and it's a hilarious thing. Um, but it drove so many more eyes to me. So I almost think that like, you don't even need to have them shilling the product. Like if it's Ford, you could have someone like that going in under the Ford product and being like, delete this, this is dumb or like making fun of it. And, you know, like trying to ratio the accounts and it would still drive so many net new eyes to it that you'd have this like net positive effect in the aggregate um, created by something that was still genuine to the account. Yeah, I I did notice like when I think, you know, May, uh, April, May time period uh, when my account was very popular or very high engagement, if I just like commented on someone's tweet that I thought was funny, it would like, like raise up a lot. And then kind of the, you know, the same thing happens to me if Elon Musk likes one of my tweets, it's basically like this weird validation loop that happens where it's like, like I made a tweet, I thought it was funny, and like no one cared. And then, you know, three hours later, Elon Musk likes it, and all of a sudden, like, it gets like thirty thousand likes. I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's like a bunch of people like, well, if Elon Musk liked it, it must be funny type type feeling to it. Well, it pops up in all of his. He has sixty nine million followers. Right. Nice, nice, um, nice. And he, when he likes it, it pops up onto a bunch of those people's. You know, maybe not sixty nine million. Maybe it's like uh i don't know like 42 million or something like that people see it and they get um you know a thing that says like this pops up and so now people that didn't see it do see it my biggest triumph of this entire year by the way of like the last 12 months was he commented on one of my things and i successfully defended getting ratioed and did not get ratioed by elon musk and so that was like my number one triumph on twitter of the last year because he when he comes in and comments on things like he blasted Jeff Bezos and ratioed the hell out of him on something. And I was like, it was one of the funniest things I saw on Twitter last year, like the back and forth between the two of them with the little, he did the like silver medal when he passed him in net worth. Um, and I don't know. I mean, yes, like I, I think it's, it's fascinating though. And I think there's, there's something from a business standpoint to rolling up these accounts that are like individually, not particularly valuable and collectively have a lot of clout that could drive, you know, real value. Well, yeah, yeah the thing you, the thing you can do uh, also is cross promote in like a in a pure way when you have the network. Um, Billy, what were you saying? Oh, like now now you're making me paranoid because I just uh, today got uh, a million followers, and now I'm thinking like, congratulations, man! What a day! You won <laughs> the bet, by the way. Congratulations! <laughs> yeah, that, that, I came here just to you know <laughs> to gloat. Uh, figured. <laughs> But yeah, now it's like, oh no! If like every every random stupid thing that I'm liking might show up on a million people's feeds, I'm like, oh no, I better be more stingy wow, about what I look like. At you, dude, you also follow 420 people, by the way. Nice. You follow 420, and you're followed by one million. This is like a screenshotable thing right now. Shibatoshi <laughs> Nakamoto at Billy M2K. Um, man, yeah, that is a beautiful thing. If you follow, like, it's, I mean. Once you follow 420 people and you're followed by 69 million, that would be slightly nicer, but you've got a little ways to go. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I actually have to unfollow somebody to follow someone new <laughs> because I don't, I I don't want to get rid of my... Yeah, I don't want to get rid of that. I think Elon Musk should go on a follow spree, actually, and get to like 
Uh, now he's at 70 million. He grew. Uh, that's unfortunate. He could have, he had a real memeable moment there if he got to 420 following and 69 million at the same time. Dude, he went from 69 million to like 7 million or 70 million really fast. Yeah. That was like they always last say the first million's the hardest, Billy. He <laughs> <laughs> yeah. grew by a Billy. One million. Dude, have you ever seen, speaking of memes, have you ever seen that meme where like Drake, I think it was Drake tweeted, um, the first million's the hardest and T Boone Pickens tweeted back at him saying uh the first billion is even harder or something like that. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> I thought that was the funniest thing. I was like he was like try the first billion or something. It was like the most unnecessary flex but also hilarious <laughs> that T Boone Pickens was tweeting at Drake. Yes. <laughs> T Boone Pickens he's like the oil guy from like the 40s or something, right? Totally. I think he passed away. He's the late oil guy from there, but yeah, I mean like complete business legend but like total savage for coming at drake that way so that's um, hilarious further to the point on memes um man i uh i had a blast Uh, wait wait billy what do you do now what do you do now (laughs) like what is what is the day-to-day in 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 that's true actually i feel like we don't even know the end of the story not the end of the story the middle of the story i just i just work in like you know i'm a uh working at home as a software engineer i make uh software or educational software for kids uh, so that's my day job. And then uh, while things are compiling or if I go to the bathroom or if I'm just like procrastinating, I'll just tweet. That's basically my life. That's, that's all I do. And why and, uh, why not start? Like what's stopping you from starting a new project? Like do you have that itch? Um, like you've started something. It's it's hit critical mask. You know, do you and you have, have a million person following you have a million so you followers on the back of that yeah any interest in starting something new yes but uh one thing i i don't like about the cryptocurrency space in general and this includes nfts and every derivative of cryptocurrency is promising like over promising so uh i don't like to promise anything i don't like to like hype things that i'm doing so like I might be working on something uh, on my own time or whatever, but if I do release something, I'll just release it when it's done or ready because otherwise, you know, it, it's, just, it's really great. Like Dogecoin literally was made to make fun of how many of these like dumb same projects were out there hyping themselves up about how great they were going to be and how much they were doing. And none of them did anything like almost every single one of them died. Uh, and Dogecoin was the only one who made it because it had a community and it, uh, uh, because it didn't make any promises because it was funny and fun. Like it made a community that like, uh, wanted to make it successful. So, yeah. You had me at community, Billy. Yeah. You said Greg's love word. (laughs) I mean, to be honest, Billy, like I think I, I stand by it. Like I stand by the fact that I think that you have a deep understanding of community and the community that you were in at the time. And, and how to build memes for that particular community. Like you did it. And I think that you did it once and I think you can do it again. If you I appreciate to. that. Yeah. I, I would buy into your next thing. I will say that right now. So you may not hype it publicly, but if you are doing something new, I want to know about it. <laughs> I will message because you I know every day of, about I know it. a lot of people who would be interested in backing whatever it is that you do next. You uh, know, I, I'm very good at uh, like getting interested in stuff before it becomes very popular and then getting uninterested in it. Uh, before it explodes uh, like esports or like magic cards or things like that and cryptocurrency so yeah maybe maybe i have something uh of my interest early that'd be interesting for people 
Billy, yeah, what uh, yeah. what in the cryptocurrency space that is like what's what's unattractive to most in the cryptocurrency space that you find potentially attractive? Like what what are people sleeping on? Um, actually, it's starting to become bigger now. Um, I do think there's some like I I played a lot of MMORPGs. Uh, like World of Warcraft um, and got sick of them and never wanted to play one again. But the idea of like owning uh, stuff from it and being able to like sell it to other people, uh, I think is massive. So, uh, for example, there's have you heard of VR chat? Mm-hmm. Uh, so like VR chat is like a virtual world of like, I don't know, 4chan meets virtual reality. This is kind of like this crazy uh, uh, virtual reality world. Uh, I basically see the future as VR chat uh, with NFTs. Uh, so VR chat, but like you own like whatever that you you mm. have on you, and you can like show it off. Because in World of Warcraft, like people literally would get certain pieces of gear and then stand around this place called Iron Forge, um, yeah, and then other people would like. It. I loved it. Yeah, and then people would be like, "Where'd you get that cool mount? Or where'd you get that cool shoulder piece?" Like that was enough to make people feel cool about themselves. So imagine that plus like, yeah, this is like worth like 10,000 bucks and I could sell it. I own this. It's not owned by blizzard entertainment, but it's owned by me. So like if I like 3d virtual goods, um, being able to actually status signal, like it plays on a lot of human, human emotions, like natural biological things. Yeah, and it's already proven. Like it's already proven to work in video games, so like it will work. Um, the only problem right now is the gamers tend to hate NFTs, <laughs> uh, so yeah. I think they're just going to be rebranded to like digital goods, and then people decide that they like them, uh, not knowing that behind the scenes is blockchain tech and NFT tech and stuff. Yeah, it is super interesting. I just pulled it up here while I was poking around. I was a I was an OG uh, War, World of Warcraft player. Um, hmm. uh, funny, funny enough, like the Stanford baseball team when I was there, um, especially my freshman year. You know, you like think you know jocks and like you know they're not nerds and don't do all that kind of stuff. And we were like on road trips. We were all like sitting on the floor of the bus and in rooms playing World of Warcraft on our laptops <laughs> and being like, dude, dude, Iron Forge, like we got to go to do this quest, whatever it was. And it was a blast. And I actually still miss playing that game. Yeah. What, 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 uh, race in, in, Oh God, uh, geez, this is like, you're, you're dating me now. I'm not, I have no idea. I have no well, idea. This, here's is some... o- this is 09. Yeah. Good, good company. Uh, Vitalik, uh, the creator of Ethereum, um, he was a uh, warlock in World of Warcraft, and uh, Blizzard nerfing Siphon Life was one of the uh, reasons that he decided to make Ethereum. Huh. He was like mad that the centralized group like had the control to nerf something, <laughs> so he was like, "Well, de- decentralization would be better." So he went on to fascinating. We got to yeah. get him on an episode for this, Greg. We uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good call out. Yeah. If you, um, I have two two closing questions for you, Billy. Number one, um, if you could say one thing to Elon Musk that he might hear through this, what would you say? Oh, I don't know. This is like, thank you for uh, enjoying <laughs> Dogecoin. <laughs> uh, thanks for, for having fun. I, I think to me, Elon Musk appreciates Dogecoin because it's silly and because it's ironic and because it's funny and fun, which is what I would like people to appreciate dogecoin for not like just be like looking at the money that they potentially could make or could lose because that's kind of fun but not i don't know it's kind of crazy 
but you know, just like the fact that it's funny and has a community that's just interested in screwing around and making memes. Um, I think he appreciates that about it. So I appreciate he that. Appreciates he appreciates it for the, it. yeah, he appreciates it for the pure reasons that you created it around, which is like, he likes it for what it is, which is, that's cool. Um, last question that we ask everybody, um, five-year predictions like what are what are your predictions for the future um anything that jumps out to you that you think about for the future it could be this you know thing around nfts vr chat etc like what, what do you think you know five years from now we're going to be um really excited about as a uh, as a human race oh man that's so hard uh, so in terms of like crypto prices uh i always just answer with a shrug emoji because i have no idea i sold in 2015 so it's not like i know anything about <laughs> what what's going to happen in the future uh, but in terms of like uh what i think is cool uh it probably would be something related to i do see i don't think blockchains will take over games because not every game would be good with that there's a lot of problems with security and botting and all that stuff to that would ruin uh the you know purity of games themselves but i do see blockchain gaming becoming um bigger uh, in general and you know people wanting to like just play video games and earn money which was my dream when i was 12 years old so i could just play video games play for earn. a living yeah, yeah play to earn i mean we we had um alexis yeah we've talked to jiho and alexis who have both been you know around play to earn quite a bit obviously it's a fascinating space i do think the like getting people over getting gamers over the um apprehension around you know and consternation that they have around nfts and around you know this space in general i think is is going to be key it's interesting um there's a lot happening it's a great it's a great prediction i think it's a, i think it's a good one i know it's a hard question um, i got uh, I appreciate it i got one last question for you billy um you mentioned i mean your stake would be worth six million dollars or so today if, if you kept the the doge um it's a would you rather question. So would you rather have the $6 million in a bank account plus compound interest, but no one had would ever heard of you, Billy? You're, no one like would know that you're the creator of Dogecoin? Or would you rather the you know used Honda amount of money, <laughs> but you're in the same position you are today? You've got a million followers. You're following four, you know 420 people on Elon Musk sometimes likes your tweets what would you um rather? i would rather have the six million bucks be anonymous <laughs> i think like <laughs> like i when i came back um to mention because i was not on twitter for a really long time and then i just got a bunch of you know emails telling me to cap dogecoin and like it was really annoying so i actually just came back to tell everyone to leave me alone um but then found it was kind of fun and there was some cool people on twitter and i just kind of hung around and started shit posting but like, really, like, I would rather just have money and be anonymous and not have to deal with this. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> that's the Kyle, best what answer. About you? I think I think what that was the best done? question. The best. Um, no, I'd take the million followers, and I, I I would take Billy's current situation for sure because I think that you know his like his current status, if uh, if he wanted to, and I I don't think this is what motivates you, Billy, which is totally fine. I I just think like you know you probably have six million dollars of annual you know income embedded in the value of what you're you know what wh where you exist today so i just i don't think it's necessarily what motivates you and what you want to do and the way you want to approach things but um i bet you could sell your 
you know, you're kind of influence an account for $6 million to somebody probably. So it's, uh, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I'm going to DM you about this, Billy, because I do want to talk more about it because I think it's interesting. Um, you want to buy my account, don't mind. you? I want to change your mind on this answer <laughs> that you just gave because it like personally hurts me a little bit because um, I think you're amazing and I think there's I think you're way too humble for what you've done in your life as well, which I, I love and I think it's it's very endearing as well. Um, but man, I, I you should you should be very proud of um, of some of this stuff that you've uh, you've been able to accomplish in a short time. Yeah, well. Uh, I, I think a lot of people have that feeling too, where it's like, oh, you have so much potential to do so much. And I'm like, I just want to play games and make video games, make music and have everyone leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's why we like you, man. It's, yeah. it's awesome. It was a blast getting to jam with you and, yeah, and this is fun. Um, hear more of the story, man. You're, um, you're a legend and I'm <laughs> congratulating you on winning our bet of reaching a million followers before me. It was a bullshit bet just to be totally honest. And I'm pissed. I'll send you a Dogecoin so that you're not <laughs> you're not at zero um, uh, as a uh, as a payment on the loss there. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's race to two million then. We can okay. We can let's race to two million. That's fair. We can make a public wager on two million. Um, how about you own zero cryptocurrency? Let's no, do. I, let's I have do... a decent amount of Ethereum. Actually, no, okay. I have none. Let's let's pretend I have none, so I don't have to make All a right. large bet. Let Let's do one ETH on two million. All right, Public one ETH bet. on two million. That sounds good. Okay, all right. I, I feel yeah, hopefully in the next two years, we'll it'll it'll force us to stay in touch too. This is great. <laughs> one yeah, ETH on who hits two million first. I'm a massive underdog. Elon Musk, if you're out there, help me out. Give your boy a follow at uh, Saho Bloom on Twitter. Help me get one ETH from Billy. Thank you. <laughs> sounds good. Signing. Thanks off so much, Billy. From appreciate the room it. Where it happens. Thank you, yeah. Billy. The saying used to be, let your game speak. With Common Stock, it's about let your gains speak. I love Common Stock, love the platform, and have really been enjoying learning from other people on there. How does it work? It's a platform for verified investment knowledge. So people are going and sharing their ideas, sharing their trades, but it's actually connected to their brokerage account. So you can see the results they're generating and see their actual track records over time. So you're learning from people not only the best investors, the Bill Ackmans, the Daniel Loeb's are on there, but also individuals who are actually going and putting their money where their mouth is on these trades, and you're learning alongside them and being taken on the journey. Is it just stocks? There's everything now. There's going to be stocks. There's crypto. We're in this crazy world where there's so many different investment opportunities, which just means there's so many opportunities to learn. And Common Stock is creating the platform for you to learn alongside the best. And also, as I said, let your gains speak. So to level up your investing game today, check out commonstock.com. You won't regret it. CapChase is the financing solution for fast-growing startups. It lets companies access their revenue today so that they can reinvest in their business and grow and scale much quicker than they otherwise would be able to. Is it complex though? No, it's super easy to set up. Only a couple of clicks. You can go through the process so quickly. There's no dilution ever. And if you don't draw on the money, you don't have to pay any interest against it. It's a great solution for fast-growing startups, and they should all check it out today. So if you want to go look into it, go to capchase.com room. Join our free community at trwih.com.